Soulmates, plenty to discuss on this Tuesday, January 24th. We want to welcome you to Fox Hills Black Report. I am Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelide Corte. As always, we're honored to stand behind this desk each day to take you on a journey across black America and the stories that impact our people. Yeah, we're dedicated to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's tap into today's uh, top headline, the family of Tyree Nichols, a black man who died following a confrontation with Memphis police, is speaking out after watching video of that encounter. Now, attorneys who watched the video with the family say officers beat Nichols for three minutes and compared it to the 1991 beating of Rodney King, saying they used Nichols as a human pinata. He was two minutes from the house when they stopped him. He was less than 80 yards away when they murdered him. Hmm. Yes, I said murder. That's right. Because when I walked in my, because when I walked into that hospital room, my son was already dead. Officers say Nichols ran from them after a confrontation during the traffic stop and another confrontation happened when they caught up with him. Nichols died after three days in the hospital. Authorities have only said that Nichols experienced a medical emergency. The police department has fired all officers involved and the U.S. Justice Department has opened a civil rights investigation into the arrest. In Alabama, a dying 71-year-old woman is being denied medical parole after being in prison for nearly 20 years. Leola Harris was convicted of killing a homeless man she'd befriended named Linnell Norris, who entered her residence and was shot shortly after. Now, since the 2001 murder, Harris has always maintained her innocence. Now at 71 years old, with no prior criminal history, Harris is, a conf is confined to a wheelchair, dependent on dialysis and suffering from end-stage renal disease. In just six minutes, the board agreed she should continue serving her 35-year sentence. Unfortunately, Harris was not even allowed to attend her parole hearing. And some disturbing statistics here as the Equity Commission of Kenosha County that's located in Wisconsin has found that the city is seven times more likely to arrest a black adult than a white one. A report prepared by the Kenosha County Racial and Ethnic Equity Commission based on 2021 state crime data showed the arrest rate of white adults was 23.9 per 1,000 in population compared with 159.7 per 1,000 for black adults or 6.7 times higher among blacks. Black juveniles in the county were as uh, as many as 5.5 times more likely to be arrested by law enforcement than their white peers. Data through the end of 2022 is not yet available. In a new class action lawsuit, it's alleged that the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services wrongfully incarcerated hundreds of children in juvenile detention centers after a court ordered them to be released to their guardian. The Cook County Public Guardian says these children have missed holidays, birthdays and funerals of loved ones. According to other claims by lawyers, this problem has persisted for decades. The Illinois Department of Children and Family Services has yet to respond to the lawsuit. And an Atlanta woman says the mental stress was way worse than the physical toll of being locked up for something she did not do. Fox 5's Morris Diggs joins us with this very bizarre story. 
Initially, the police officer who made the stop was ordered by the court to pay this $1.5 million judgment. Literally, money was coming out of his check every month. The mayor stepped in and said, no, it's the city's responsibility. Now, you're going to hear from the woman who spent five months behind bars. It was my first time ever in handcuffs. A planned good night out at a Midtown club turned into Jazima Godring, spending five months locked up for an alleged drug possession. But the substance checked by an Atlanta officer was not drugs. An officer had approached me and I asked him why I was being stopped. He told me I had jaywalked. She and a friend questioned. Goldring allowed the officer to look at her purse. He pulled out a round object called a stress ball. He put it on the hood of the car and he took his blade and cut it open. Her lawyer in a civil case claimed the entire stop was manufactured. They were looking to remove people who they thought fit a profile. That's not their only motive though. We also learned that there is a quota system with the APD where officers are expected to make a certain number of arrests, a certain number of tickets. Jeff Filipovitz said a field test did not show a positive result. I'm going to charge her anyway because maybe it's positive. GBI analyzed the contents of the stress ball. No cocaine, just sand. Even though the report was issued one month after Goldring was first locked up, she stayed in jail an additional four months. I just, you know, I lost hope. Who was watching for that drug test result? No one. Because a prosecutor is not paying attention until the case is called up for trial, called up for a hearing. Public defender is already overburdened. And so this is a system that she was thrown into. Word finally came to the jail to let Goldring go. My heart dropped. No amount will really make up for, like, the hurt. For the young lady, she hopes this settlement will give her a fresh start. She hopes to launch a career in fashion. From Northeast Atlanta, I'm Morse Diggs, Fox 5 News. Oh, five months you can never get back. You can never get that time oh, back. My goodness. And, you know, the fact that the, the officer, you know, knew that there wasn't there and mm -hmm. said, well, you know, maybe the test is positive, knowing mm -hmm. that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, it was a stress ball. And, you know, you know, this is this is, you know, a young woman, you know, that is managing anxiety like a lot of people do, and she's mm -hmm. doing it the best she can. And, you know, the fact that he took that stress ball, ball and, and really, you know, accused her, you know, of something that wasn't true. And, you know, you're right. She's not going to get that five mm -hmm. months back in her life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is just another example of just the, the miscarriage of justice that mm -hmm. exists in, in the system that we need to... Uh, we need to solve for. Yeah, and I hope she, you know, pushes all the way through with whatever uh, she may be deserving of. You know, again, five months is something that you can't get back, and it's reminiscent of a story uh, that we talked about maybe a week or so ago. A uh, young lady kept getting rejected for uh, job uh, applications, and she was wondering why, because she knew her record was clean. She goes into the police department, and, uh, you know, they recognize her as being a violator, and they lock her up. It takes a week to get her name cleared. So, you know, there seemed, and even though this search, search situation is a little different. There seems to be a common denominator, which is the color of our skin as to why uh, either we're not believed or things take so long to get cleared. And so that in and of itself, uh, in my opinion, is an issue as well. And that case happened in Philadelphia. That's right. Uh, and part of what, what sort of, you know, mucked up uh, the uh, evidence in that case mm -hmm. is that Basically, it was, a, it was a case of mistaken identity. Right. They had mistaken her for uh, someone uh, in Louisiana or mm -hmm. Texas uh, that had been, uh, you know, robbing stores in the area. That's and right. so, 
you know, uh, you're right. It's, a, it's an epidemic of us not being believed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we see it in Philadelphia, and now uh, we see it uh, right here uh, in this case. And so we'll keep our eye on it. But moving forward, you know, this week, a federal judge dismissed a lawsuit by three former Whole Foods employees who said that they had been illegally fired for opposing the chain's alleged discriminatory discipline of workers who wore Black Lives Matter masks. U.S. District Judge Allison Burroughs in Boston says she found little evidence to refute Whole Foods' legitimate business explanations for strictly enforcing the dress code and no significant evidence that had targeted the plaintiffs by firing them in the summer of 2020. Whole Foods, which is part of the Amazon.com Incorporated, says its long-maintained dress code fosters a welcoming, safe, and inclusive shopping environment. And moving on to the former president, as Trump has dropped a federal lawsuit he filed against the attorney general of New York, he withdrew the lawsuit a day after he and his lawyer were sanctioned for nearly $1 million for filing a lawsuit against Hillary Clinton and many other defendants. The lawsuit against Letitia James was filed after her office filed a civil lawsuit against Trump alleging fraud at his company. The attorney general is suing Trump over allegedly fraudulent financial statements related to the Trump organization. Organization. New year, new goals for organizations, especially the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. They say their focus in 2023 is closing the achievement gap, helping reduce inequities in education, housing and health care. Other caucus priorities include scholarships for black or Hispanic students pursuing health care careers and ending discrimination in housing appraisals. The group says while the caucus helps uh, while the caucus uh, uh, represents black Americans, their agenda isn't meant to serve one group. All right, so let's take a minute to go back to Florida and talk a little bit about its governor. Man's name is Ron DeSantis, and uh, he is speaking out on his decision to reject students' access to an AP course on African-American studies. As more outrage grows, black community leaders are also speaking out. Fox 13 in Tampa Bay has the very latest. Comes to a pilot AP African-American studies program for Florida high school students. Governor DeSantis says. We want education, not indoctrination. If you fall on the side of indoctrination, we're going to decline. The Florida Department of Education previously said in a letter, content in the course was contrary to Florida law and lacked educational value. Today, the governor gave some examples why. When I heard it didn't meet the standards, I figured, yeah, they may be doing security. It's way more than that. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. He says the course imposes an agenda on students and also includes lessons on abolishing prisons. So that is more of ideology being used under the guise of history, and we want to do uh, history. And that's what our standards for, for black history are. It's just cut and dried history. But faith and community leaders gathered today to push back against that. Black history matters. Black history is not inferior. And black history does not like educational value. They argue laws like the Stop Woke Act, which limits how race is discussed in schools, makes any teaching on the topic difficult. Teachers are petrified to really teach what they want to teach. You know, they've got to kind of skate along the edges of what really transpired during years of slavery. 
They say that's why there's now a call for everyone to rally with them this week, because they say this is bigger than one course. You want to erase black history. Tomorrow, what will it be? And people need to understand, everybody needs to know what transpired back in some of our darkest days so that we don't repeat that ever. You know, sometimes you, you know how you have to pull up a little bit and breathe, because <laughs> I saw that, that DeSantis response uh, yesterday, and, I, you know, you just want to go through the TV, um, you know, and I don't condone violence, but you, you just want to lay hands, <laughs> if you will. Listen, whose standards, you know, by our state, whose standards um, when you're speaking from outside of the culture? And, you know, it's, it's so ironic that we're only just a few days away from Black History Month. And even within our culture, we've kind of questioned the validity and the need, if you will, for black history as we have, you know, come to discover that is it is all day, every day. We don't need to be reminded that we're black and, and even, the, you know, the whole uh, th uh, Black History 365 campaign, you know, being pushed. But now more than ever, especially with this happening, uh, you know, maybe um, Black History Month 2023 is going to be quite significant because now we see that there are folks out here who still do not want us to bask in it, to learn from it and to evolve from it, That's whether it be black folks or folks from outside of the, the, the race, the culture that need to learn about our history because it's American history. You're right. And I think there are a number of folks across the country that recognize that the, this course that is not being uh, allowed in uh, Florida, uh, a course that is uh, been called, you know, has, has been said to have no educational value. Well, you know, in 60 schools across the country for the 2022-2023 school year, it's being piloted. And I think, you know, this is really an example of the latest installment uh, uh, in Governor DeSantis really politicizing uh, education in Florida. Uh, he's been on a crusade to sort of stop wokeness um, and which means he's against teaching black history, which means he's against saying gay in schools, which which means that uh, what happens in Florida really impacts folks across the country. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we really have to stay vigilant on this. I know there was a really great piece in Newsweek that was published by uh, the NAACP and David Johns of the National Black Justice Coalition, really talking about DeSantis's obsession in ignoring Florida's inequities. And so folks should take a look at that. Absolutely. All right, there's still more to come. Outraged parents and a school bus driver that has been suspended. That's right, the latest from a Georgia school board that's apologizing to students. We'll be right back. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. A bus driver in Georgia is suspended after a video went viral. Kids seen climbing out of windows to get off the bus. Yeah, witnesses say the trouble started with a substitute bus driver and the confusion over when to release the students to parents. One parent was even caught on camera hitting the driver after the driver pushed that parent. Fox's Kevin Stewart has this story. With police on hand, the normal everyday school drop off went off without a hitch. That's not what happened Wednesday. Take a look at this witness video. That's a small child being pulled from a school bus window. And listen, an alarm blasting as the emergency back door flies open, kids running out, waved on by adults. For one parent, a lady, she tries to rush into the bus. Why are you closing the door where our kids are there? She punched the lady. 
Yeah. Gerald Nianyu says the normally simple school drop-off got out of control Wednesday. He says parents were stunned and frustrated because the substitute school bus driver would not let all of the students off, including his two boys. They said, okay, that's our dad. The bus driver said, how do I know? Paulding County Schools confirms that a substitute driver is suspended pending an investigation into this incident. Dallas PD is checking into it as well. Sources familiar with the school system's policy say ID must be used to pick up children 10 and under. Well, it might have been a lot of confusion with her being a new sub, but I can see where I would rather her ask, where's your parent, than just dropping my kid off. Did the bus driver ever ask you for ID? The lady? No, no way. Normally when the parents are here, the kids just walk down from the bus and you take them up. Kevin Stewart, Fox News. You know, this the video went viral. I saw it. And what got me, you know, you've got these parents and the bus driver, you know, adults going at it. But when, you know, she decided to pull off the, the terror, you know, in, in the in the kids uh, screams because they, of course, wanted to get off the bus and, and join their parents. She would not allow some of them. And that's what really um, shook me uh, to my core, how sometimes as as adults, um, you know, we make matters worse and, and it, it, it affects uh, our, our young people. Uh, it looks like all around. Uh, maybe fought on both sides, but the school uh, district needs to take a look and revisit policy and what actually is supposed to be the proper procedure uh, when dropping uh, off kids. There seems to be some confusion which caused this, this melee. And it was, it was a, a terrifying video, especially for those young people who did just not understand what was going on. Why couldn't they get off the bus and, and be with their mom or, or dad or, or guardian or whatever? Yeah, and just, what and just another example of, of parents also behaving badly. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, yes, folks may have disagreements with bus drivers and, and, and other uh, school officials, but, you know, when it, when it crosses the line and mm -hmm. it becomes a physical altercation, we're not mm -hmm. modeling uh, the best behavior for our kids. And mm -hmm. dare I say, it probably made a, an uncomfortable experience, a traumatic experience, even more traumatic for those kids. Yeah, and she so, shouldn't have pulled off. She, she pulled off with kids, as they were going back and forth, she pulled off. Uh, she probably should have stayed foot, put, put maybe close the door uh, and maybe call school officials or the authorities. She shouldn't have pulled off with those kids in the, in the, uh, in the bus. That's my opinion, yeah. according to what, uh, what was seen on video. All right, moving on. According to a study in the Journal of Youth and Adolescence, online racial discrimination or harassment has a negative effect on the academic and emotional well-being of students of color. Girls in this study had, on average, one to three more social media accounts than boys. Girls reported depression levels that were higher than those of boys, suggesting more depressive symptoms among girls. Black teens reported almost 10% more online experiences of discrimination than their Hispanic counterparts. Online racial discrimination and harassment represents a unique risk for teenagers of color. Not only are they more likely to see and pose more race-related content, but when this race-related content is negative, it has harmful effects on mental health, academics, and overall behavior. A Prisma Health pilot program designed to reduce the adverse health outcomes that black women 
disproportionately face will support doula services for expectant black mothers across the upstate Midlands beginning early summer 2023. Similar programs in North Carolina, Virginia and Washington, D.C. have shown positive results for mothers and their babies. According to March of Dimes in South Carolina, black women accounted for about a third of live births from 2018 to 2020. However, sources say black maternal deaths accounted for over 40% of all pregnancy-related deaths between 2016 and 2021. Now, according to Prisma, a clinical study uh, has shown that doula services could lead to shorter labors with fewer complications, fewer interventions, and greater success with breastfeeding. And black people are almost four times as likely to be diagnosed with renal failure as white people, but many are often diagnosed late and it takes longer to get on transplant transplant lists. Now that's because of an antiquated kidney function test that can overestimate kidney function in black patients, masking the severity of their kidney disease and results in late diagnosis and delayed transplant referrals. Now, in what experts are calling an unprecedented move to correct racial inequality in access to kidney transplants, the Organ Procurement and Transplantation Network Board recently approved a waiting time adjustment for black transplant candidates. Now, the policy requires kidney transplant programs to identify and notify black candidates who should have qualified sooner. Now, the process of transitioning isn't easy. It can be intimidating, isolating, and scary. In 2020, when a black trans man started his medical transition, he joined a transgender support group at an LGBTQ organization in Columbus, but said one thing was missing. The people didn't look like him. Chris Goins, founder of Black Trans Men of Ohio, started an organization to change this with anti-transgender legislation circulating around state houses in the U.S. and in Ohio. Goins said it's even harder for black transgender people to live in their truth. Since the launch of Black Trans Men of Ohio in late 2020, Goins has connected more than 80 trans masculine or masculine presenting non-binary people with resources like gender affirming care, free hormone replacement therapy, supplies, hair clippers, hygiene essentials, therapy, and much more. Uh, and this is, you know, really good to see. It's good to see that, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Chris Goins uh, mm -hmm. of Ohio is creating space for black trans men because oftentimes when we report on trans issues, we forget that black folks are trans folks too. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so, you know, hat tip to uh, Chris Goins and in Ohio uh, for creating space where previously he didn't see space for him. Yeah, and it's good to hear stories like this because I'm, I'm one to be educated uh, to, for, 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 for news and information to put me up on uh, what's happening. Um, because I think f for me, um, you know, that level of awareness, uh, you hear about uh, transgender, uh, this transgender community all the time and, and the different challenges, but specifically uh, for black men, uh, very interesting. 
it's kind of like the who knew kind of moment. And so I can appreciate stories like this that, that let me know what's what's happening that's in right. areas that I might not be so familiar with. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We, here at the Black Report, you know, we understand that black folks are not a monolith. There we go. And this is an example of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Black trans folks are just as much a part of our community as anybody else. Mm -hmm. Indeed. All right. She's been on TV in Atlanta covering some of Georgia's biggest news stories for nearly 30 years. And for the last year, Angelique Proctor has also battled stage two stomach cancer. After covering so many stories, she felt like it was important to be honest and open about her very own. 16 months after her surprise cancer diagnosis, Angelique Proctor is back to reporting full time on Fox 5. I feel great, all is well. And her life is getting back to normal. It's fairly amazing how well I'm doing. Um, I have energy, I'm working out, I'm eating. It's been a long road since we first talked in the fall of 2021, a few weeks after doctors found a large tumor hidden underneath some bleeding ulcers in Angelique's stomach. She had been feeling fatigued and run down for weeks, but stage two stomach cancer? It was absolutely unbelievable when they gave me that news uh, because I had been so healthy. You know, I run the peach tree, I exercise. I eat pretty healthily. Angelique had what's known as a gastrointestinal stromal tumor, or a GIST, that was at least 13 centimeters, or just over five inches in size. So this tumor was adherent to her diaphragm, her liver, her pancreas, spleen. Emory St. Joseph's Dr. Josh Weiner, Angelique's surgeon, says the tumor was also in a tricky place, wrapped around the top part of her stomach. So instead of undergoing surgery right away, Angelique began taking a targeted treatment, a daily pill known as Gleevec, to shrink the tumor. And within a month or two, she says it was working better than anyone expected. We were blown away. Max and I were like, look at each other, think, this is unbelievable. But if she hadn't responded and hadn't stopped bleeding, she would have had to take, we would have had to take out her whole stomach as well as her spleen, part of her pancreas, part, part of the diaphragm. So it was extremely important to have that shrink the way it did. By August of 2022, the tumor was down to seven centimeters and it was time to take it out. You know, surgery was very intimidating. It was a major operation. I asked him so many things. Take a picture while you're in there. Uh, you know, let my husband know if you got it all. There was a small chance if the tumor was still attached to much of the stomach wall, Dr. Weiner would have to remove Angelique's entire stomach. But that didn't happen. Literally, the actual amount of stomach we took out was was about uh, this much. <laughs> so, so a few centimeters. And from the start, Angelique says she has clung to the belief that she will beat this cancer. It's something that my father wasn't able to do. And it's something that I want to do for him uh, because he died of pancreatic cancer in 2009. And I watched him suffer. And um, it's just something I've never forgotten. So when I heard that I had cancer, I was just ferocious in my fight against it. The experience has refined her faith and her focus. It's made me understand what's really important. Uh, it's been a wake up call. I think I'm more grateful. I understand God's grace and his mercy more now than ever. 
and I take nothing for granted. Not her husband, Max, not their three girls, not her mom. I've always loved my family, but I hold them tighter now because sometimes I think I was so busy in life, you know, that I didn't pinch myself. But now I understand that every moment is precious. Every moment. And Angelique will stay on Gleevec for at least the next three years. And she started getting scans every three months. Now I'm looking forward to, I guess, year five. You are cancer free. That's the goal now. Wow, what an amazing story. Testimony, our thanks to uh, Beth Galvin uh, for that. We got to listen to our bodies. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad, um, you know, she finally did or got to a, a place where she did, you know, listen. It's it's the rigmarole, the everyday of the everyday, trying to stay afloat, trying to stay ahead. Uh, we all have different responsibilities uh, with family members and, and, and our careers and, and our social lives. And uh, sometimes uh, the very thing that we need to pay attention to, our bodies, um, we don't. You know, we always often talk about health as wealth. We often talk about how if you don't have your health, you really don't have anything. So it's stories like this that really drive that point home. And um, wow, having you know gone through a health crisis myself, I'm, I'm really glad that she was able to um, survive that. And she's continuing to survive that. And that she's already learned some of the lessons that, that um, um, has brought her that experience has brought her. And bless her for sharing those lessons yeah. with, with so many of us, uh, for taking us on this journey with mm -hmm. her. Uh, Angelique Proctor is just a powerful demonstration of faith. Um, and you know, the little tidbit that I really uh, enjoyed from mm -hmm. uh, that story was that she clung to the belief that she would beat cancer, something that mm -hmm. her father struggled with uh, when uh, he was uh, dealing with pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. And it's just another example of the power of belief. Mm -hmm. The power of belief, it's not the only thing, it's, it's a part of it, it's not all of it, but I would imagine that in some of the darkest days when she was fighting cancer for her life, uh, that belief uh, that she could overcome this, that she would overcome this, mm -hmm. uh, 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 I'm sure that was a big part of, of why she's still here and why we're sharing this story. And so for our soulmates that are watching this story that may be in cancer treatment themselves or you know waiting to hear that they uh, have finally beat cancer, I hope that this story inspires them. Indeed, indeed. Up next, it's a traveling museum of black history. Yeah, we'll tell you all about it and where you can actually see this exhibit when we return. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. welcome you back and if you're just joining us let us uh, take it back to the top stories of the day the family of Tyree Nichols is speaking out after watching video of his encounter with Memphis police attorneys who watched the video with the family say the officers beat Nichols for three minutes and compared it to the 1991 beating of Rodney King saying they used Nichols as a quote human pinata authorities have only said that Nichols experienced a medical emergency the police department has fired all officers involved and the U.S. Justice Department has opened a civil rights investigation into the arrest. And a dying 71-year-old Alabama woman is being denied medical parole after being in prison for nearly 20 years. Leola Harris was convicted of killing a homeless man she'd befriended who entered her residence and was shot shortly after 
Since the 2001 murder, Harris has always maintained her innocence. Now at 71, uh, with no prior criminal history, Harris is confined to a wheelchair, dependent on dialysis, and is also suffering from uh, end-stage renal disease. Now the board agreed she should continue serving her 35-year sentence. Unfortunately, Harris was not even allowed to attend her parole board hearing. And in a new class action law Suit, it's alleged that the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services wrongly, wrongfully incarcerated hundreds of children in juvenile detention after a court ordered them to be released to their guardian. The Cook County Public Guardian says these children have missed holidays, birthdays, and funerals of loved ones. Now, according to other claims by lawyers, this problem has persisted for decades. The Illinois Department of Ch uh, Children and Family Services has yet to respond to this law. Suit. And lastly, here for you, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is defending his denial of an AP African American Studies course and even gave examples of the lessons that didn't meet state state standards, saying that lessons about queer theory and lessons on abolishing prisons is not black history, saying that in his state, quote, we want education, not indoctrination. If you fall on the side of indoctrination, we are going to decline. If it is education, then we will do. The Cordelai, over to you. Thank you, Courtney. Now off to the motherland where Nigeria could be facing an $11 billion payout in a case that started in a London court on Monday if it loses. The Nigerian government is urging the UK High Court to stop the hedge fund-backed firm Process and Industrial Development Limited from collecting a massive arbitration award which, is handed, which was handed down in 2017 following a failed gas deal. Now, Nigeria claims that the award should be overturned as it came about through bribes to former government officials. PNID has denied all wrongdoing and characterized the Nigerian government's fraud allegations as an attempt to dodge liability. The case is scheduled to continue until March. And the first black students to integrate in Arizona high school are set to receive honors this month. Willie Arkbuckle and Robert Turner will be recognized as the first black students to graduate from Chandler High in 1951. Arbuckle, now 90, remembers the first day of school saying, quote, it was totally uneventful. It was as if we didn't exist. We were invisible. Ernestine Jackson, Willie Ruth Payne, J.L. Payne, and Nina Lofton are also set to be recognized as part of the city of Chandler's 2022 Celebration Plaza honorees for integrating the high school. The school was integrated five years before the Supreme Court of the United States decided in 1954 to integrate schools across the U.S. in the Brown versus Board of Education decision. A Washington state committee has endorsed a plan to honor two black pioneers. A proposal to rename two natural features in Mason County after early black settlers Rodney White and Nathaniel Sargent has taken another step forward. White, who is believed to have arrived in Mason County in 1890, was a black pioneer whose home was branded with a racial slur for decades after his death. The second proposal will rename Grass Lake, a 10-acre body of water that was called Negro Slow through the 1990s to honor Nathaniel Sargent Lake, 
a black man born into slavery in Kentucky who eventually was elected justice of the peace in 1894 and died in 1954. Now the plan will be presented to the state's Board of Natural Resources. From there, uh, the plan moves to the U.S. Board of Geographic Names for federal approval. The backstory to a historic photo is now being revealed. Have you ever wondered who the man is between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X in this famous video, or excuse me, photo, photo here? So there's a new memoir about Plaise Toussaint Pearson, the man featured in the photo, another hidden figure in American history. Now his daughter, Janelle Pearson, tells the tale of her father in a book titled For the Strength of Harlem, which takes a deep look into the man in the middle of history that also took him to the front lines of the movement as a leader in Harlem. Now, the book is also going to look at her father's work during the 1950s and 60s. For the Strength of Harlem is available on Amazon. Very interesting. A traveling black museum could be headed your way. It's called the Black History 101 Mobile Museum, and it contains an award-winning collection of more than 10,000 original artifacts of black memorabilia dating from the transatlantic slave trade era to hip-hop culture. The museum is uh, and was created and inspired by Dr. Khalid El-Hakim. The one-of-a-kind museum has already traveled to 41 states, visiting more than 1,000 institutions. It has reached thousands of visitors at colleges, K-12 schools, corporations, libraries, museums, festivals, and religious institutions. You know, Courtney, all this talk about what's happening uh, and not happening in our schools in places like Florida, uh, where you have folks like Governor Ron DeSantis uh, and the Florida Department of Education against teaching AP black history, um, you know, this is a really easy way, you know, for people to get a dose of that history, to bring your kids, bring your loved ones, and really lean in. How did I know you were going to <laughs> bring, you know me bring, well. bring your boy back up, uh, DeSantis? Here. My yeah. boy. Uh, you know, I'm uh, you know I'm being quite sarcastic <laughs> yeah, here because I, I know you've been hot about this, especially hot. As, as a so hot as around a, the collar. I'm wearing a turtleneck today. As as an yes, yeah, and you wearing that turtleneck. As an educator, um, I was just wondering while you were reading the story, uh, do they plan to go to Florida? Uh, you know, maybe Florida needs to needs to be on their stop. And uh, if that be the case, as in some of the other stops, I'm hoping people really show up uh, uh, and, and really take advantage and tour um, th the wonderful creative way that that uh, uh, organization has come up with uh, continuing to spread our history, which is America's history. But I would love for them to take themselves right down there to Florida, right Absolutely. down the street from where DeSantis sits and, and have this mobile museum. That would be amazing. Absolutely. Hint, hint. And to the point that you made earlier about, you know, we're just days away from Black History Month 2023, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is really an opportunity for folks to push back. All those institutions that raise their hand and say, hey, bring the mobile museum here, yeah. right? It's an opportunity for us to elevate the hidden figures mm -hmm. of American history. Uh, this Black History Month, this Women's History Month, and beyond. Yes, and so, right. uh, and also keep in mind, we're going to do everything we can here on Foxhole's Black Report to remind people of the Black history happening right now. All right, Professor. Coming up, major changes coming to the candy brand M and M's. You don't say. That's right. Their newest spokesperson, who's replacing the longtime oh. animated friends. I don't know. We hate to see them go. I don't know. You don't go anywhere. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. We'll be right back. I don't know.
All right, Soulmates, actor Jonathan Majors was praised on social media for standing up for a black reporter during a red carpet interview at the Sundance Film Festival. So a video clip captured the moment festival staff tried to rush Majors inside mm -hmm. and actually interrupted the reporter's questions. Majors defended a black journalist on the red carpet and gained support from fans and onlookers as he refused to let staff halt the interview despite his publicist's request for two minutes and stood up for fair treatment of black reporters on the red carpet. Uh, this follows Halle Berry's similar actions, you may remember, in 2019 for refusing to be rushed away from speaking with a black journalist. Good for him. Now moving on, fashion icon and former judge on America's Next Top Model, Andre Leon Talley's estate pieces will be featured in an upcoming world-leading auction at Christie's. The 400 lot collection will feature items from luxury brands like Prada, Gucci, and Louis Vuitton, and will include suitcases, robes, and sunglasses. The auction will take place on February 15th, and proceeds are expected to reach a million dollars, which will go towards two historically black churches. Additionally, a group of items from the Tally collection will be donated to the Savannah College of Art and Design, where Tally was a board member. Uh, we love to see it. Clearly, he had a plan mm -hmm. uh, for his estate uh, uh, in the event of his passing. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't always see that, you know, with luminaries in our community. Uh, and, you know, it's good to see, you know, him investing uh, in black churches, you know, because I'm sure those black churches uh, that are benefiting could use those resources. And with his passing, I, I must say, I mean, we want, you know, some of our iconic um, uh, folks, if you will, to, to live forever. But with his passing, I was able to just learn so much more. You always see him as this huge enigma, this, this figure, especially on the fashion scene. But I didn't know too much about him. And uh, as people continue to remember, uh, live in the legacy and celebrate his life, you find out so much more uh, behind what you may have seen as a judge on the show or, you know, sitting uh, alongside of, you know, infamous runways. And so his life was very, very fascinating. And, um, you know, for him to have laid out plans as to what, you know, how he wanted his legacy to continue on was just as fascinating to me. So it was a great story. And I, and I have a lot of friends that, you know, have read his book, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the memoir that he wrote uh, here is really good. My friend Harriet Cole did an interview with him before he passed, mm -hmm. uh, also very insightful. Uh, one of my friends, uh, you know, Teddy Tenson is a mentee of Andre Leon Talley. And so uh, he was an absolute fascinating figure. Mm -hmm. And I just love that there's, there's so many artifacts uh, that are left behind for us to learn more about him. Absolutely. All right. We're here for it. The ladies. Oh, they're going to take another trip, soulmates. The sequel to the hit movie Girls Trip starring Regina Hall, Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, and the one that set it off for Tiffany Haddish is officially happening. Now, the sequel will feature the ladies taking an excursion to Ghana. You remember the original movie was such a hit. It was released back in 2017 and it grossed over $140 million worldwide and had a budget of 16 million. So maybe they might give them even some more money to just have an amazing sequel. Now, the announcement for this sequel came during the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. I'm here for it.
I'm here for it too. Whenever anybody's going to Ghana, you know, just you oh, know, sign right. me up, right. sign me up. Well, you know, you know what else you can sign me up for? Uh, this scholarship. I'm just playing, but maybe you all can. <laughs> Travis Scott, uh, Travis Scott's Wayman Webster Scholarship Fund is providing financial support to HBCU seniors facing financial challenges to ensure that they can graduate on time. Led by Scott and his family, who have a history of involvement in HBCUs, the scholarship fund is named after his grandfather, Wayman Webster, a Prairie View A&M graduate school dean. Now, Scott gave away a million dollars in scholarships to 100 HBCU students in 2022. And most recently, his foundation partnered with the Astros Foundation to raise funds for the scholarship through an HBCU celebrity softball classic. Very nice. We love to see what a great tribute to his grandfather, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. again, just sort of the power that educators have to unleash the best parts of us. You know, there's been, and this is sort of kind of, you know, off subject, on subject, um, that the, the talk uh, uh, that uh, HBCUs uh, have garnered lately, whether it be, you know, the racial uprising and the corporations vowing to, you know, support and, and send the money or all the way to uh, Coach Prime and, and the attention that he brought uh, to HBCUs. Um, you know, with the, with, with the recent uh, Ed Reed situation, I'm hoping that all of this talk, all of this celebration, and of course the money really, you know, trickles down into the areas that these students need, uh, again, to enhance their experience um, with going to an HBCU, the buildings that they need, the resources that they need. I just saw a recent interview uh, where they were talking to the president of Bethune-Cookman, and he has said that there have been, you know, some changes uh, made. Of course, there, there needs to be more changes, but um, I, I just want us to keep that energy and make sure the progress uh, and the help and the support that we say we want to give HBCUs uh, continues and that the, the young people really experience that physically on their campuses. Yes, you make a really important point. We talk a lot about scholarships, but mm. you know our HBCU campuses need a little bit more they TLC as well, too. It's not one or the other, it's all of the above. That's right. So, a major change coming up for M&M's. Candy, the company's so-called spokes candies, are going on an indefinite vacation, being replaced by comedian Maya Rudolph. M&M's said it's temporarily retiring the spokes candies after backlash to cosmetic changes to the female characters. Some critics have called the candy woke M&M's. M&M's said in a statement they weren't sure if anyone, you know, even noticed the change. Hmm. I got to go back and look. I didn't. Well, you know, M&Ms aren't on my whole 30 plan, and so, you know, you look for for the both of us. Uh, but uh, some Whitney Houston news, with only a few weeks left until the 65th Grammy Awards, we're excited to announce something special is happening. Mm. The estate of Whitney Houston and Primary Wave are celebrating the late singer's 60th birthday by, by launching the Whitney Houston Hotel during Grammy week. The week-long event presented by Sony and sponsored by Mac Cosmetics, Pro Flowers and City National Bank will take place at the W Hotel in Hollywood and will honor Houston's career and life through an exhibit, pop-up shop, live performances, a party, and more. The exhibit will feature memorabilia including photos of Houston and a collection of the iconic gowns she wore during some of her most legendary moments. 
The Grammys will take place on Sunday, February 5th. This woman lives. I certainly lives. will be watching. This woman lives. I can't believe it's it's been almost, you know, 10 years. She died at 48. Yeah. We're, we're coming up on her 60th, uh, mm -hmm. the 60th uh, birthday. Yeah. Uh, and she just continues to live. I mean, I know she's physically, you know, not with us, uh, but but her legacy and just her, her spirit um, just remains intact. And then on the business side of the things, her estate is is doing their thing well, because you know, Miss Pat you know, Houston, <laughs> Miss Pat Houston know, is doing her job, and, and and then some. I mean, you know, some incredible partnerships. I mean, between mm -hmm. you know the Recording Academy, working with the Recording Academy to do this, uh, Mac Cosmetics. You know, we, you heard a number of the other partners that we mentioned. You know, the biopic, the, 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 the Whitney film? Houston estate is not playing around. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I, I think they, I like that they are being so. Um, so honest mm -hmm. in terms of of telling the, the full story of Whitney's story, Whitney's contribution to the art, uh, but also you know who Whitney was, you know sort of the good, bad, and and, and the ugly struggles uh, that yeah. that we, we we know so much about. And so uh, I can't wait to check this out. It speaks to the power of her likeness, and uh, we miss her indeed. Still ahead, Black Excellence in Business. That's right. We'll introduce you to some entrepreneurs that are making waves in their communities. We'll be right back. You're watching Fox Old Black Report. An entrepreneur hit a million dollars in sales in three years selling t-shirts with a full-time job. Wow, Ari Simpson and her husband founded Tees of Life, a statement t-shirt company in 2020 with an overwhelming response. They just kept building and building. And in less than three years, uh, the brand hit a million in sales. Simpson uh, uses her own words on the tees and relies on social media to maintain a community of customers. She creates uh, t-shirts with sassy messages of self-love that help build confidence and give people, mostly women, what they need to just live life. We love to see that. Simpson says her 2023 goals are to beef up the team by hiring more folks. For packing orders and customer support, she also wants to continue to encourage future entrepreneurs by reminding them to always remember, quote, your why and what you're doing this for. You know, people oftentimes forget their why. That's right. So a powerhouse couple in Colorado wanting to break into the bourbon arena launches a black owned bourbon called Porcellus 1789. Mm -hmm. Socialites Tamika and her husband Herbert Purcell uh, says the odds were against them since only 1% of bourbon brands in the country are owned by African-Americans. They wanted to reimagine the bourbon experience as a sexy, luxurious cocktail, but creating it was definitely a labor of love. Purcell's 1789 uh, was to fill the need in a marketplace, uh, saying that they wanted to create a brand that women and ultimately couples could enjoy. Although blacks are still underrepresented in this market, this couple is blazing a path as the first black-owned bourbon distillers in Colorado Springs. Sip, 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 yes. sip, sip, And sip, so sip. we've talked a lot about Uncle Nearest. That's right. You know, the premium whiskey brand, you know, and now and they're uh, uh, headquartered in Shelbyville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. You know, this couple is uh, headquartered Colorado in Colorado Springs, right? And so what I love about this is you have these, these, these black uh, brands, mm -hmm. these spirit brands that are being born mm -hmm. all across the country. Yeah, and more variety to get down with the brow. <laughs> Did you just make that up? I think so. 
May, may, oh. Maybe we can submit that and she'll put it on a t-shirt. Get down, oh, there we go. Get, Get down, down with, with the, the brown. brown. Light, a light touch of brown, because like I said before, it just sends me off. I can't I'll take I can't a heavier touch of, the, of brown. the brown. You can take the lighter touch. Yes. I'll, I'll take some of her, her portion. Because I want to support these brands, but I, oh, the brown. That's all right. The brown. We're going to find the right blend for you. I think it's a blend. It's a blend thing. Let me stick to wine and champagnes, but I'll support the browns, but I can't. Don't we believe know. in abundance? We do. Well not, well, not all at the same time. Yeah. That's a little overboard, but you know what I mean. But I also believe in my mind. I also believe in being able to properly function, and the brown just does something to me. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm Courtney Hicks. <laughs> and I'm Nicordelai Corte. I'm tickled by Courtney Hicks. I can't. I can't. Thanks so much for joining us today until, on Fox Soul's Black Report. Until next time, Soulmates, you know what to do. Stay lifted. Put down the brown. <laughs> <laughs> Ask unless over you can here. handle it. Unless you can handle it. <laughs>